Hello, people of YouTube and of the podcast sphere. Welcome to Spectator Diff, an esports podcast from probably the two most underpaid spectators in Overwatch. My name is Brad, Matt is over in that box over there, and we decided to start a podcast to break down professional Overwatch matches because we have opinions and gosh darn it, someone needs to hear them. Um, each week we'll be around Monday, or we'll be live on Monday around this time, 12.30 Eastern, to discuss the happenings in Overwatch Esports. We'll cover any major headlines, break down a match of the week, hit you with some predictions for the next week, and uh, then we'll get the hell out of here. Um, you can catch our streams and VODs right here on our YouTube channel, so please like, comment, subscribe, interact with that content. It's a big, big help to us, and it's free to you. And uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe to Spectator Dith uh, wherever you consume your podcast. Also helps us. Uh, you know, and it's free. So, uh, brief note, Ari, the podcast episodes, it takes the internet time to process these files, so the podcast version of these streams will officially go live on Tuesdays, the big uh, podcast day, and uh, you can hear the audio from our broadcast on your podcast app of choice. Um, and then, oh, uh, Spotify video is also a thing, so you can catch the VODs there now as well. So, yeah, go do all the things. Enjoy the social media of your choice. So, without all of that uh, out of the way... um. Let's get into some headlines. Matt, take it away. I got to say, I'm impressed. I changed up the intro a little bit, and uh, you did well, so good yeah. job. Uh, well done. I can read. Uh, you sure can. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, Let's talk headlines. Thing number one here, uh, Roster Apocalypse happened basically right after we finished our podcast last week. So some of this is older news. However, it's pretty much new news for us here at spectator sure. diff so thing number one washington what the hell's left of the washington justice let me tell you last monday washington dropped mag and he went to boston then on tuesday washington dropped their assistant coach ty dolla and their gm pre deleted his twitter kind of he deleted his like image and and then he like came back and now he's just kind of an egg, but he tweeted about the performance of the weekend. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then the Washington Justice VP, I'm going to butcher this name, but I believe his tag is uh, Kieran Thill. He said on Reddit for fans to be patient, and he posted this really PR-y type deal about, you know, we're trying to get everybody the best outcomes that we can. It's not one person's fault, yada, yada, yada. And then on Thursday... Washington sent Happy to the Glads and Vigilante to Atlanta, leaving Washington with a five-man roster, which is one under the required roster size for Overwatch League. The team's already announced that they'll be giving that six slot to a staff member to officially hold roster limits. And somehow this has made Washington better. Brad, what do you think about this? I think that we need to find more funding for the Overwatch League, and soon. <laughs> yeah, desperately. I, I mean, that's just, honest, honestly, that is the whole the whole issue here. I mean, we're going to talk about Paris in a second, but, like, every single team, with the exception of really, like, I think the Spark have pretty solid funding. I think it was recently found, like, London has solid, no, it's not London. Um, no. No, it's, I, we know that the Shock and the Glads both have solid uh, bank accounts, had funneled towards them uh, courtesy of NRG and um, that massive sports conglomerate that owns the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but, like, most of these teams are still reeling from all of the 
poor decisions on Blizzard's front and the controversies over the last two years and the fact that the game is six years old and they're just now playing a game that the general public can't and even some of the pros can't play. So I, uh, I mean, fortunately, this should be the last that we see of any real, I mean, it has to be any real roster changes. The deadline was the 18th to release players to be picked up for the duration of the season by other teams. So there should be no other surprises. And if that changes, I'm going to edit in due to a thing next week and or in two weeks or in three weeks from now and we can all make fun of me. But like, I, that should be it. There should be no other crazy changes. But unfortunately, this is just what we're dealing with because most of these teams just don't have the funding and they need to find ways to cut, you know, to cut back their spending because they're not making money. Even on the tournament front, it's it's just there's not money being exchanged, and they need to find a way to make ends meet. It's even with um, we saw with uh, uh, Depay, he's now like he doesn't have health insurance, he doesn't have a team jersey, he doesn't have, or he has to pay out of pocket for team meals and team building things. So like, there's no money. There's just no money, and that's that is the core of the problem here. Right. A lot of this crazy roster stuff happened after a reported meeting between Blizzard and apparently Bobby Kotick and uh, representatives from Overwatch League teams and some of the collegiate teams uh, with the bigger programs and I believe some of the contenders teams as well. And we don't know much about what was said in that meeting. It was a pretty invite only situation, but all of the reports have said that the meeting was not necessarily positive and did not instill a great deal of confidence in league members uh, as far as the financial situation of the Overwatch League. So I, I dug a little bit. Yiska put together this Overwatch League budget tier list, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know much about team budget Obviously, your Gladiators, your Dallas Fuels, your San Francisco Shocks are part of larger organizations to keep them going. But I think the real issue, like you were saying, Brad, is that the Overwatch League as a whole just isn't making money. And I'm hopeful that with the Microsoft acquisition, it will help some. But, you know, it's not like the Halo professional scene is really killing it right now either. So, I mean, it's just kind of a rough time for esports at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously the the COVID nineteen pandemic didn't exactly help matters. It sent a lot of these teams having to play uh, from you know the comfort of their own homes, which brings its whole other like sort of logistic nightmares, especially when you're dealing with tournaments that have to be you know managed and you know fair and whatnot. It, it's it's as esports as a whole you're you're correct it's just not a, it's not the best time for esports as a whole if it were up to me bobby kodak would be paying out of pocket for the overwatch league right now cuz basically yeah. the, the the worst funding issues are a result of his decisions and his bad choices so that would be uh th- that would be my solution or at least my partial solution since coca cola backed out of sponsorship and whatnot um but i don't get to make those decisions cuz i'm just a guy on the internet so yeah Right. Well, moving on, Roster Apocalypse (laughs) Part 2. We missed this one last Monday by like a few hours, but Paris dropped four players. So Don, Khan, Dridro, and Vestola all got dropped. 
The only two that Paris kept were Dove and Wub. Wub had a very funny tweet. Brad, if you would open that tweet, I would like to get your reaction. Uh, all right, opening now. Current objective survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but to be fair, to be fair, Wub and Dove were also brand new at the beginning of the season. They they were just brought in a couple months ago, so I think they're okay. They're not gonna get dropped, right? Like, there's no way, right? They shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> right. And I don't expect Dove and Wub to go largely because this dropping does not seem to be super surprising. I mean, rumor has it that the team knew of the incoming roster changes going into their game last weekend against Vancouver, which really sucks. Like, yeah. that just hurts. And it explains how they played that game because it, it was probably the most unremarkable performance i've seen in the overwatch league in some time yeah but what we do know is that paris eternal next season will be the las vegas eternal and that the team is shifting to north america dove and wub are both north american players and the roster that paris soon to be las vegas has rebuilt is that of an na contenders team so yes after dropping don condrido and vestola they picked up Luke Mino, Rack Attack, Malthel, and Krawi from the NA Contenders team Odyssey, which won the region's last tournament cycle in A-sides. So, you know, I think if they're building for the future, this makes a lot of sense. They are 1-13. in 13. It's not like you've got this legacy roster that you just need to click. Like, yeah, it makes a little bit of sense to me. Um, and kind of the last little bit to this story is that on Friday, London announced that they had picked up Khan on flex support. So Rip Bone back. Who knows if we'll see him back on Zenyatta uh, or if Khan will play a little bit for Spitfire. I mean, I at this point, until Zenyatta comes back into the meta, I don't see a reason for, for Backbone to, to flip roles. Part of the reason that he was doing it in the first place was because he had such a strong Zenyatta and London didn't have the extra player. So... At this point, and I think if nothing else, this gives them a little bit more flexibility on that front. Um, as far as Paris is concerned, you know, it's, I, I can only see good things from, from this series of roster changes. In theory, the rest of the stage might be stronger for them. We saw a little bit of a showing against, I believe, Atlanta um, this weekend. And, and they still lost, but, you know, they only had a week, a week to scrim this yeah. in the Overwatch League. We're talking something, a completely different, a completely different um, level two contenders it's it it ain't the same it really isn't so you know hopefully hopefully i don't know if there's a way forward for them this tournament um if things change too much in the next stage maybe maybe that it, it helps them uh but you know <laughs> they are one of the last bastions of eu uh overwatch for the league so them moving to vegas is certainly a bit a bit unfortunate but Again, yeah. I don't make these decisions. It'll be interesting, too. I mean, London is playing out of L.A. right now, uh, still under a London banner. So who knows what will happen there. But that's all we've got for Roster Apocalypse. Those were the big moves over the last week. Moving on here, we did get some cool, interesting news from Aaron Keller. Get your jokes while you can. It was announced yesterday that Junker Queen oh, is getting nerfed. Thank the patch God. will go live after Summer Showdown and before the Overwatch 2 launch. Oh, thank God. Oh, I, I, we're, what, two weeks into this already? It feels like we've been in this meta for a month. 
Um, yeah, my eyes are sure tired. Does. My eyes are tired. I, I'm so, so <laughs> sick of watching this meta and trying to figure out specifically what's going wrong because it is, it's just so hard to analyze. I mean, the, just the littlest things matter so much and it's, it, we're, ta we're talking down to the timing of exact ultimates and, and who's hitting, uh, who's hitting Q when. And it's, and in a lot of cases, these fights are determined by which, uh, which Junker Queen shouts second. And it's just, yeah. it, I'm so, I'm so, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm tired of watching it. <laughs> so what Aaron Keller tweeted yesterday was, Hi everyone, the Hero Team has been monitoring the latest Overwatch League play, plus our own internal playtests, and have decided to bring the overall power of Junker Queen down. The change will roll out after Summer Showdown and will be included for Overwatch 2 launch. So, Brad, I'm curious if you had the keys to the vehicle, how would you tone down Junker Queen? I think the, the the easiest thing that you could do is probably just to take out the healing for her team with Shout. I think that's probably the best thing to start with, at least. And it's fine if she gets the healing. I think that's totally okay. But giving healing to your entire team, um, that's just too much. Uh, commanding shout is strong. The radius is has been dropped a little bit. I don't think it needs to go further, but maybe a meter or so more wouldn't off the top might not hurt. But I think to start with, take the healing out. The speed boost is fine. Um, she just the problem is she just does too much, and at that point, it's like you you've got to trim the fat somewhere. I think that's an okay place to start. Maybe also reduce the speed boost a little bit. She just can't do all of that. I think the, the bleed damage is fine. It's unique. It's the first time we've seen that in Overwatch in general. Fine mechanic. Easy to play around. Not a big deal. Um, the anti-healing on her ultimate. Also probably okay. Uh, because it is an ultimate. And and for that matter, maybe increase the cost of the ultimate. But other than that, I mean, it just, just take away the healing. And I think you're probably in a solid position. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think something's got to go because she really can't do everything at this point. You've got speed boost. You've got health up. You've got anti-heal. You've yeah. got bleed damage. You've got leech healing. Like, she does a lot of things. I really hope that uh, she doesn't get nerfed into an unplayable wimpy kitty baby mode. That'll be a bummer. I don't really see that happening with how powerful she is right now. I think... Like you said, the biggest thing is commanding shout. Yeah. And I think if you tone down commanding shout, a lot of other problems work themselves out. I mean, the biggest issue is just how much stacks on top of each other at this point with all of the AOE things. And, uh, you know, it, it at the end of the day, the stacking is what got us to goats in the first place. And they never really solved goats back when goats was a problem they solved it by implementing 222 so that you couldn't physically play it they <laughs> blizzard doesn't exactly have the best track record for for canceling out the worst metas that they create um so yeah i mean how long did we double shield in 2020 uh, oh so long oh i'm having like vietnam flashbacks from that um <laughs> it, it, it's just it Again, they don't have the best grip on how to like stop these metas once they create them. I'm curious to see what happens with Fox Girl. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if she's going to make it into the next stage or not. I don't think so. But I, oh. she's supposed to launch on October 4th with the game. Yeah, uh, and it. I I think she the is 
she's the Mario Kart double dash of Overwatch 2. I think she will. overlaps with the next stage. I think there's like an overlap between the, what they're playing on in the next stage, and that's not the best. Uh, the timing there is a little bit abysmal but i guess there's nothing we can do about it It, again what she does and her abilities we know there's something speed related there as well that's gonna really play into the stacking issue as well so i don't know i don't know (laughs) i'm very like i said i I, but when we were talking about it off stream i'm very concerned um yeah but to be fair um the overwatch community doesn't as a whole doesn't necessarily have the coordination to pull off junker goats effectively and I certainly don't feel like they're going to be able to break the meta with Fox Girl themselves before seeing it done in the league. So we have a little bit of a buffer before things get too out of hand. But, you know, Blizzard's track record on this sort of thing isn't stellar. So there is reason for concern. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely all true. I do think that Jotes at the professional level is pretty unbreakable. But Jotes at, you know, like a, a more standard competitive or quick play level seems way more counterable to me uh, than it does in professional play. So I think if you tone down commanding shout, you know, it'll take some time for the pros to really work something else out. But I think that Jotes as as a death ball comp will just become less and less viable in your standard competitive and quick play. Yeah. Um, the more that it gets toned out. I think I would also, I decided uh, that I would like to see the radius of commanding shout reduced. That's one of my other big ones. I mean, you could keep the heel and the speed boost if it only had like a three meter radius. But at that point, at that, at that point, what's, what's the purpose of the shout? Because that, that radius is in, it's a lot smaller than, than people would realize. I, I think it's a very, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that's way toned down at that point. That is way toned down. I know, but, you know, like, think about it as, and I'm, listen, we're not developing Overwatch here, so we don't need Correct. to get caught in the weeds here, but think about it as, like, you know, you engage out of a small room, right? Like, you you come through a, te- a Symmetra teleporter and slam Commanding Shout, or conversely, like, you use Commanding Shout more as a disengagement tool. If you have somebody who's trapped in a room and you can get over and shout them out, then I think it's more interesting as a disengage than a re-engage, but whatever. Moving yeah. <laughs> on. Um, the the last two headlines I've got, thing number one, merge your accounts. Hey, you can yeah. merge your accounts as of 816. Merge your accounts. Or you're going to lose all your stuff, especially us dweebs that play on console. If you're still a console player like me, make sure that you merge your stuff to your Battle.net account because if you don't, you won't be able to play Overwatch 2, and also you get to keep all your stuff. And we've worked hard for that stuff. This will be really, yeah. This will be really, really good too, because it's now this is the cross progression system being implemented. So if you have multiple accounts across multiple platforms, uh, you can merge everything. It's all going to be stored to to your battle net, and you're going to be able to go back and forth between your different consoles and have all your cosmetics. It's going to average out a lot of your your um your data, your stats, and things. Uh, it's important to note that. For your stats, a lot of things will be weighted towards your best performance. So wherever you perform the best, on whatever console, most of your stats are going to reflect the weight towards that. And uh, as well, your ranks are going to be completely separate between console and PC. So your ranks will still uh, be separate, but everything else is going to be stored to your Battle.net and you'll be kind of good to go. So make sure you get that done because 
them good good skins mm, don't want to get rid of them and you can't really buy any loot you can't buy loot boxes after the 30th so you know get it done yeah and then my last headline this one is not news this one's just for us reddit cast an overwatch movie uh <sighs> just some random reddit post on where was this uh where are we at here just in our overwatch uh fake news an overwatch live action movie is being made who will be cast brad i wanted to give you some quick castings and i just want to get your reactions mm -hmm. so casting number one danny devito is torbjorn uh hilarious but they should get the guy who played gimli in lord of the rings mm, that's a good one i like <laughs> that okay number two uh arnold schwarzenegger is reinhardt totally fine okay i take that it's um, totally fine it, like i thought about it a little bit i read it i read some of this i i thought about it for a while could not come up with something better or andy circus is winston no <laughs> i like this one see i think andy circus is winston is very good i i would like um, hulk ruffalo give me hulk ruffalo as winston <laughs> that's fair uh, how about <laughs> kelly marie tran of star wars fame as may I'm all right with that one. I, I that's yeah. totally that seems totally reasonable. Uh, and then Gal Gadot as Farah. Interesting. I'm a, I'm fine with that. Yeah. This one is my most inspired casting that Reddit has come up with so far. Tilda Swinton as Moira. Oh. Oh, that's very good. Very that's good, excellent. right? That is that no notes. That one's perfect. Yeah. Uh, Reddit decided two of the voice actors were good enough to make the casting. Matt Mercer is Cass and Anjali Bimani as Symmetra. Okay. Um, I think both of those are pretty fair. Um, Stephen Lang or Joel Kinnaman as Soldier 76. Stephen Lang, bad guy from the Blue People Avatar right. movie. Joel Kinnaman, uh, Colonel Rick Flagg from the Suicide Squad movies. Mm. Mm, Avatar. I'm going Avatar. Uh, and then Maria, uh, Marion Cotillard as Widowmaker. Hmm? I mean, Holly Al Ghul from Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could see it. See, I, I was very, like, not creative with this casting. I, I My mind immediately defaulted to, like, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> like, not because, not because Black Widow, but, like, just I, the characters. She seemed to fit. <laughs> But also partially because of Black Widow. I mean, we've seen uh, her in then, spandex already. Like it's it, she it's, <laughs> it, it works. Uh, and then Shaniqua Martin Green from Walking Dead as Sojourn, which I thought was also Ooh. very good. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And then the last one playing Tracer. Ooh, Dwayne the Rock. Fucking no. <laughs> God, <laughs> I no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was actually I was stuck on this one because I was trying to think of someone who would work and I, it just came to me like while we were talking about this I think maybe like Kira Knightley would be okay as Tracer like um, Kira Knightley would be cool yeah like I I, I think sh she would fit um I don't have anything better than that though that's the problem I I don't know how Anna Kendrick's English accent is but I think Anna oh Kendrick Anna Kendrick would be could be good, good. Yeah. Be, yeah I could see that. Yeah, well, that's all I've got for headlines, so I think it's time for a game of the week. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Um, game of Zavik, and those are the show notes, so let's get the window up. And uh, let's get this playing in the background. 
So we have, for your entertainment, uh, Game of the Week, Gladiators versus The Shock. This was, of course, the record game for The Shock, um, who are now 19-0 in regular season games. Uh, they haven't won, or they, sorry, they haven't lost a regular season game in 385 days. So, one time. Yeah, that's uh, quite a while. Uh, by comparison to Vancouver, who hadn't won a game in like that same amount of time as of last week. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> However, the 19 and 0 record that the Shock have tied is Vancouver. Ironically, Vancouver yeah. Vancouver is the. Uh, the other 19 and 0. So being, uh, Shocker one away from taking the record, but we're in map one. We're at Busan and hey, happy place for LA, which I remember when I texted you, you were very surprised about. Give me your thoughts. So I completely missed this pickup because I'm very bad at keeping up with the news, especially when it comes to the roster changes, because there's so many teams, so many rosters, multiple languages, as it turns out, on their Twitter accounts. And so. I have not found a good method for actually keeping up with this, but I do like the pickup for the Glads. I think Happy, he should do well there. He really should. He was he was a solid player for Washington, but I think, you know, he's now going to have a team that he can really thrive on. I I, I, I honestly just, I just feel good uh, for him. Like, good for him. Um, this comes on the heels of Padafan and his wrist injury, which is keeping him out of this stage. Uh you know, we were talking about this off uh, stream, off broadcast, but, you know, it's, it sounds weird to say, you know, that, that someone in an esports league is out with an injury. But, you know, if you're playing a game for 8 to 12 hours a day, it happens. Bad posture can get to you. You know, just the general carpal tunnel issues, all that can really get to you. So, you know, we wish him a speedy recovery. But as far as this pickup, like, welcome to the Gladiators, um, you know. I think maybe now he'll actually get some wins under his belt. Yeah, man. I really hope so. I like Happy. I liked Happy a lot when he was on Houston, and I really wanted him to be great for Washington, and he just wasn't. And I don't really think that's Happy's fault. He looked really good in this game against San Francisco. Like, he looked really, really good. He was not getting dipped super often. No. I mean, he went down to some kilo headshots here and there, but he was not way out of position. I think that he's just in a much, much better place uh, with Washington or with L.A. than he is with Washington. However, this map is where we start to see the biggest issue and the biggest difference between these games. Uh, Funny Astro. Funny (laughs) Astro got diffed to hell by Violet in this game. Funny Astro died first in three consecutive fights for LA and I really think cost them this map and you know we'll keep talking about it for three more maps but kind of cost them this series so give me your breakdown on funny Astra's Lucio play and keep Uh. in mind that here in about a minute Reiner's gonna hit a really sick knife pull on collusion it's one of the coolest things he does in this game excellent so I'll try to keep it brief so that we can talk about that but we were talking about again more things we were talking about off stream it has to do entirely with positioning and it's you know it's weird to say that (laughs) <laughs> that Violet's Lucio could diff anybody else's Lucio because for a while the, the the Violet Lucio was cursed. But the fact of the matter is, in this meta specifically, he cannot be out of position. Um, it's, it is physically unallowed for him to be out of position. And so as a result, you're seeing the you're seeing the 
overall survival more often than not of of the shocks uh, <laughs> um, supports, which has been a big problem this season so far. Uh, they can't get as aggressive, and they just have to literally find value. Now, you compare that to Funny Astro, whose Lucio is is much more akin to what I would consider a Reddit Lucio. He's very much a solo player. He's, I mean, he's a great, great, great Lucio player, but at the same time, you still have to find value, and for that, in this meta, you have to be playing very close to your team, and he has a tendency to stray and, and get sort of out of sync with the rest of the Gladiators. Um... And that's not entirely his fault either, because a lot of the, the gladiators themselves individually each sort of have this issue where they go off on their own and, you know, find themselves specifically out of position in this meta. So, yeah, I really think that uh, I actually I think it was 9K from San Francisco who said in an interview before this game that. The difference maker between these two teams was going to be Funny Astro and Kevster versus Violet and Proper. Right. And I don't think the difference between Kevster and Proper was very big. I think they both had some really clutch plays in this game. I think the difference was Funny Astro and Violet. Like you said, Violet did a much better job of staying with the unit. And Funny Astro gets so aggressive, he just gets caught out so many times. And we see here San Francisco takes phase one or round one of Busan and I don't think that round two looks that much different except if you watch right here at the beginning so we've got about 20 seconds before control center kicks off just watch how fast Reiner dies and it's this huge mm. breakdown of communication from LA where Everybody peels for happy except Reiner. And Reiner just Ws his way forward and dies for it. And that was the other big difference maker in this series between these two teams is you have Funny Astro and Reiner going in alone and the rest of the team trying to support them and just not having enough to do it, right? So Happy's off angling here and he gets jumped on pretty quickly by proper everybody else comes back to help happy and reiner dies not only does reiner die reiner dies to violet yeah so like what happened here well let's and, let's reverse a little bit and and go yeah, towards go that ahead. initial engagement if i can find it um here we go so oh making this difficult so at the initial engagement, like, things are, are going off relatively without a hitch. Did I go too far? I went too far now. Son of a... Ugh, it's... This replay is so hard to get. 9.27 is... Uh, there we go. Thank you. So, 9.16, 9.17. That's as close as we're going to get because I can't jump in 10-second in intervals without the little... The little button, plus or minus 15. Um... So at the start of this fight, everything looks fairly normal, right? They're they're taking the high ground on the uh, well on the right side if you're going from the shock spawn, and right here, like everything's pretty normal. Look how passively the shock are playing. They're playing around this this chunk of cover near their their spawn door side, um, and uh, LA is just sort of full W'd here. And you have uh, let's see, is that Happy over here? And you can't see my cursor. Oh no, my cursor is showing up. Happy, cool. you yeah, have Happy over here in the corner, happy back there, doing yeah. happy things. Like we know he likes to play those off angle, like those off angle peaks. He did that with Washington all the time. So 
not necessarily out of position, but already he's out of the, the aura healing of basically every other support on the glad. So now we keep going, we keep going. Right here, Violet and uh, Finn are, are actually spread out perfectly here. Uh, Violet can bounce around on this wall side and keep the team up. Brig here to get that initial like poke damage to start Inspire. And still we have, we have Happy way off to the side, out of range. Apparently Kilo took a hefty shot from happy it looks like because he's already down to low health but he's by contrast to happy still in that aura of healing because he's definitely in range of lucio maybe even brig here so we keep playing we keep playing where is reiner that that's the key where is reiner reiner's already in so here's where it goes wrong okay you have reiner is already halfway into the shocks back line i don't know if he's even used it doesn't look like he's used his shout yet which is good because he's going to need the healing but already i believe that's out of range of the rest of his team to receive those benefits so now what you have is the team split up into effectively three trunks you have uh kevster with the two healers happy over here in no man's land and reiner already in the back line of the shock so at this point it's very easy for the shock to turn around look at reiner and he's gone and as you can see yeah he's he's like backlining this is how he got killed by lucio because he's way out of range of the rest of the team and it is a massive like miscommunication it looks like now you can see yeah at, at right there right there is where they split and reiner goes and then everybody is soon to follow you just can't do that in this meta you can't split from your team that heavily and expect to get results and unfortunately this is a, a thing that reiner does more often than not where he tends to go a little bit too far and he does get punished for it especially by better teams but especially, it's it's especially egregious in in Junker Goats because everything is about those stacking abilities, and when you have your team split up into threes, the squishies aren't the problem. It's is is the survival of your tank. Right. Yeah. And you know, I don't hate Happy's positioning in that early engagement being no. so split off. I mean, he still has shift jump online. You have that health pack behind wall. It, really, the problem is Reiner, and shit really starts to fall apart for LA here. I mean, proper pulls blade at spawn door, which is never a good feeling. <laughs> Reiner, Reiner jumps off the map because <laughs> you'll never take me alive, I guess. I don't know. LA ends up winning this uh, second round largely on a deadlift by Happy and Kevster and also Kilo trying to be a hero and then forgetting that it's a team game and not an individual game. But the rest of this round is honestly pretty nondescript. I mean, yeah. it's old cycling and trading, and it's pretty much fine. But if you look at this point, there's not a lot of choke to get down to this point. This isn't a point that you need to be grouped up in to capture. You really just need to be grouped up in if you want to win high ground. So I think that while LA does pull this round out over San Francisco, this particular map of Busan plays better to a team with less death ball than the other two maps of Busan do. Perhaps. I, I, I think the main thing, again, it's just it, you need to be spread out in such a way to benefit maximally from, from these AoE effects. You know, at, at a certain point, like, yeah, you don't need to be playing Death Ball, but with Junker... Junker Goats is so much less forgiving than other metas, just because if you aren't getting the full benefit from those stacking abilities, someone is going to die a little bit too early. And that is that is ultimately why these fights go away in either a split second or they last four years. So it's 
it you know it's it's such a trade-off we're God, we're ready to be done with it. I, w I do want to make a note, just watching Happy's POV here. I do think that him being on a team like the Glads is going to offer him a lot more flexibility to play the way that he does with, with these off angles and some of the, the more dangerous flanks that he takes. Because with better communication, better coaching, and better understanding of positioning... Uh, I think he's going to get a lot more value from team distraction. So I, I, I see that kind of happening here where, you know, he's really given opportunities to pop off because the rest of the team is doing their job in the sense that they're they're creating distraction and, and getting the value from themselves. So I are creating value rather. So, you know, that's just another thing to sort of pay attention to here. Shall we skip ahead a little bit? Yeah, I mean, honestly, L.A. wins round two. San Francisco wins round three. It's pretty boring. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and skip to map two, I think is when we start to see some more. In well, okay, I guess I lied. There is a really interesting phase in here where uh, somehow L.A. gets this really sick opening pick and then lose the fight. And I don't remember exactly how it happens, but it starts off at uh, 1645 if you want to skip to somewhere around there. Or it's coming up here. All right, perfect. So, because um, it's like 1619, yeah. So go back like 10 seconds if you press J. Ah, ha, 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 ha. These things are 1640. There you go, 1640. Yeah. Great. So right around there is when things start to really crumble. So you get this sick opening pick from Happy on Violet. And then LA backs up. And obviously they back up because they lose Reiner. But I don't really understand how that trade happens. And that's the beginning of the end for this map for LA. They do end up recapping an OT, but it's... <laughs> They're not long for this world. It's just proper farming blades until you can take it back. So <laughs> I, I think that L.A., I mean, again, there, your problem is either Reiner being too far forward, Violet not being with the team. It's hard because we have a limited POV of what we can really yeah. see. But what it looks like to me, because I, I see, I keep seeing the same sort of thing, and sometimes it works for them, but most of the time it doesn't. Reiner just has this this tendency to just push slightly too far. And he may still be in, like, the AoE of, of everybody else. Like, whether or not he is, that is a, a big factor. But um, even if he is, like, he pushes... Like, even here, this this overhead, like, he's all the way up here. The rest of his... Like, he, there's no way he's in Brig range. He's certainly not in Lucio range. Like, he's off by himself while his team is coming back from spawn. And, and it's just this sort of thing. Like, it's it has to be a miscommunication or they're just not, like... He's setting a pace that the rest of his team's not sort of willing to to follow. But he's he's too far up. And with a team that focus fires as well as the shock, all it takes is one call out and he's gone. There is no there is no commanding shout worth of a like worth of value that he can get by being that far up. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of greed from Reiner. I mean, I, I think if I had to describe his play style, that would be the word I would use is he just gets greedy. Yeah. I mean, he chases down picks that he has no business chasing down. He takes step forward to try and take positioning when there's obviously no space to be taken. I mean, he's a rookie, you know, yeah. like you got to get some game sense under you. It's I understand him. Yeah. I'm not just trying to like dunk on Reiner, no. but um, I do think that in this meta, 
a lot of his problems are being accentuated. Right. And because uh, I always I, I was saying this in the last two stages in, at times he just plays like a rookie. Even on the main tank role, he plays a bit like a rookie and it's a lot of overextension. I will retract and say, like, this is a relatively safe alcove for him to hide in in that sense. Like, didn't see that from the overhead. It's a it's an OK place to wait because he can't be pushed on other than from this alleyway. But even still, like. I, I would have I would have rather seen him like in this hallway here behind this these walls so that he could connect with the team a little bit closer. But that's you know that's me not being a pro, so whatever. Um, and then yeah, we know they get kind of dunked on the rest of this uh, this this match. Um, no, that's a good pick. Twenty seven forty three is where Parizo starts. If you want to wow. go there, that's a lot of downtime. Jesus. Yeah, well, there's a break in there, and yeah. you know. Uh, LA the, has to get it up to like fifty percent before proper gets a blade. So a cheeky early shot on uh, from Widow, but gets nothing. <laughs> what was kind of interesting about that too is that they actually pulled two Widow shots. Yeah. So uh, right at the beginning, Kevster spawns on Widow, takes a jump shot, switches to Genji. Happy comes out on Widow, takes a jump shot, and then comes over to Sojourn. That's an interesting Which tactic. A- That's I, I I like that, and that works only, I think, specifically on Paraiso because, or Paraiso, I don't know how to pronounce them bad at it, but I, I think that would only work here because of how early that high ground position uh, shows up from spawn. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think that um, it might be kind of viable on Circuit Royale, but either way, Coming back from that first, uh, you know, like spawn defense, proper really boofs a dash. And it's hard to tell from the angle. I, I watched it a couple of times. It could be because this is a brand new map and proper just doesn't have a ton of awareness with it. It could also be that skewed hit a pretty sick whip shot and it's just impossible to tell. But proper dashes himself into a corner away from the rest of his team and it just collapses, and that's what leads to this really fast cap from L.A. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even call that. I, that's probably just a mechanical, like, mistake. Like, I, I from the looks of it to me, he, he just kind of, like, you know, he, he goofed. He done did a goof, didn't quite didn't quite hit the target where he wanted to, um, or maybe maybe it was just, like, an ego push a little bit. Not, not entirely sure. But either way, you know, Genji's such a hard hero to play i can't i don't even want to think about playing genji in this meta but proper for what it's worth has some of the best disengages i think in the entire league he's he's one of the most patient players i i've i've ever witnessed um and even though he is a rookie I, he doesn't play like it most of the time so i'm i'm willing to chalk that up to probably a mechanical in, uh input error yeah and then coming up here so step one everybody press q yeah. step two everybody dies the coolest part about this, and we have Connor in the chat. Uh, he just brought this up as well. But right here, Kevster is about to kill Kilo with four HP. And it's insane. Like, this is just Kevster things. Kevster has no business popping off this way. And this was, you know, Connor said it in, in the stream chat. This is when it felt like LA was really here to play. And I tell you what, man. Up until they gave up on Checkpoint C, I felt the same way. This map looked really good for LA until this last push when San Francisco finally gets a fight win and then Glad's just like for four minutes dagger themselves into overtime. It's just, it's one of those things. I 
the Glads have such moments of brilliance in this meta, but I just don't think the overall team coordination is there. Like, Kevster is an outstanding Tracer Genji player. Um, obviously, Tracer's not in the meta, but, like, he's an outstanding Genji player just in general and gets n almost as much value, if not just as much value as proper, one-to-one -one most of the time. The problem is you can't win these this kind of meta on the back of just one player. This is far more a team coordination effort than we've seen in the stages thus far because there's so little room for error. Because it's it at the end of the day, it's just little things. It's it's first pick, second pick, first shout versus second shout. Did beat come out three seconds too early to negate the full blade kind of thing? It's it's just so small little details that actually win these fights and determine who actually takes the map. Right, yeah, I mean, it's kind of wild coming up here. Like, LA loses a fight specifically to Kilo's Bob, and it's not even really to Kilo. It's not even really to San Francisco. It's Kilo's Bob, and it is a pretty big brain Bob play because right here, Reiner rushes in, and then you get Bob in the back line. If your Junker Queen goes in with Rampage, you as a team have no choice but to follow her forward, and... The biggest thing with Bob is you got to disengage from him. So if you get Bob in your back line and you're forced to go forward, it's a really big brain play. And is just another example of like LA specifically with Reiner and Funny Astro, because honestly, watching this game, I feel like Happy, Kevster, and Skewed are pretty well in lock. Skewed doesn't look so great coming up in a few maps, but I think that funny Astro and Reiner is where that communication starts to break down. And it's another example. Here is another one of like Kevster is going off and everyone else is dying. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's being in range of the AOE. If you're in range of the AOE, you don't die period. <laughs> if you're not in range of the AOE, you die. And it's, uh, it's so, like I said, it's so hard to watch and, and so hard to really like nail down, like, especially without the replay viewer where we can see different POVs. It's very, very hard to pick out who's egregiously or like who's out of position unless it's absolutely egregious. But, you know, more often than not, it's, it is who dies first. And we're, we're seeing that a lot with Reiner and Funny Astro, especially because, like I said, I mean, you were, you were right on. Like, Kevster is in lockstep with Skewed for some of that fight, but everybody else is dead because nobody else is in range of the healing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, LA ends up capping here in overtime. Brad, if you want to skip ahead to 37-11. Yeah. 37-11 is when San Francisco starts up here. Shaboom. Excellent. So, 37-11, San Francisco's attack starts. Brad, my question for you, and you can watch the gameplay as I ask you this question. Is Kilo bad at Ash? I think Kilo's bad at Ash, and I actually heard uh, Leg Day and Lemon Kiwi say this during mm. the broadcast that somebody put in stream chat, basically like San Francisco only loses when they play Ash, and if they don't play Ash, they win, which is pretty much what happened in this game. So, uh, Kilo, bad at Ash, your thoughts? Uh, you know, maybe. I, I think... Mm. I think what it is is up until this point in the in the meta, we've seen so much Sojourn, and he has been the designated Sojourn player. They play so differently, and and even like off of that first fight, 
I would argue that he was that he was actually kind of poor, poorly positioned for the Ash. I, I don't think that he should have been on that low ground that far up, and he was an easy target for uh, for Genji to just like eat all of his dinner. And uh, <laughs> you know, you can't you just can't play Ash as aggressively. You do have to kind of play a little bit farther back and even a little bit outside of the AOE to get full value. But that's kind of where Ash is, is beneficial. Like you can stay out of the the really nasty parts of the fight and you still have a little bit of um, get out of jail ability with with your shotgun and, and or your coach gun and whatnot. But I don't know. I, I don't want to say that he's necessarily bad at Ash. I just don't think he finds the same value as he does on Sojourn. And the only places that that gets really highlighted is when they're up against, you know, better teams like the Gladiators. Uh, you know, th- that that can really exploit that weakness. It's probably, at least to some bit, a weakness on his part, but I don't think he's bad. I just think it's it's hard to go back and forth between the two heroes like that and then and get the same kind of value. Right, you know, and obviously it's all incredibly relative because a a pro player being bad at Ash is right. better at Ash than I will ever be. I don't want to go past it because it was brought up in chat. We talked through the solo beat from Violet, which was awful. <laughs> uh, Violet killed two and then solo beat like a hero with three gladiators around him it was real ugly i have no idea what was going on there and the next time they show his pov like you can tell he knows it he he done hecked up there but (laughs) back to ash versus sojourn i think the biggest difference is mobility yeah right 100 it's so easy to get comfortable with the disengaged tools that sojourn has and then flip back to Ash, where all you have is coach gun, and get caught off angle real bad. And that's what I noticed from Kilo's play, is that Kilo loves sneaking off on these off angles and, you know, shooting from across gaps. And honestly, it works for him most of the time. Yeah. But when you have slide and you have shift jump, if you get isolated on an off angle, it's a lot easier to get away than if you just have coach gun. And I think that that's the kilo bad uh take is that kilo not a bad ash player so to speak but kilo's game sense on ash is not as strong as his game sense is on sojourn yeah and and part of it is to it is like it is a team effort at this point because part of what where ash finds value in this meta is is genji's ability to check the other genji and and proper's doing just fine but proper also has other jobs in this whole situation as well where he has to be going after the the squishy assassination and and so he can't be he can't be babysitting kilo the whole time and and without the um without the same counter effects to a genji genji can really <laughs> can really take advantage of of a misplaced uh ash because ash doesn't have the uh the nice little like area denial tool that you get from uh that pulse uh what well, i can't disruptor shot. disruptor shot thank you it, it, you know the, the disruptor shot does such a great uh a great amount of um has such a great effect at like countering a genji and like getting you out of tough situations where you can force the fight on your terms and then get out of there with the slide. It's just not the same with Ash. And I I mentioned last week that I actually do prefer the Ash in this meta, but it does take 
a different level of game sense and a different level of of thinking than the sojourn does yeah i mean i think that now that we've seen this meta for two full weeks i think it's pretty easy to see the major differences you know oh, yeah. and like the difference in play style between jotes with ash and jotes with sojourn um and, and i think that la played really well on a sojourn based jotes comp because it is so fast and i think that san francisco really benefits from that fast play as well yeah uh and ash just doesn't have it but here moving on to junker town so LA goes for this really weak spawn door hold. It's like they want to spawn this, but they can't decide if it's a good idea or not. And that hesitation we'll see here in uh, about 50 seconds costs Funny Astro again. And Funny Astro dies first, and then everything falls apart. And... I want to get your take on this initial setup, Brad. What do you think of this really close hold on Junkertown where it's pretty atypical to see defense set up beyond that first bridge? Uh, I mean, again, it, it's high risk, high reward. But looking at this, it's just it doesn't work. Like, I'm pausing it here because I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to change the POV in the near future. And here's, like, where you get an okay idea of what's happening. You have you have Funny Astro up here on the roof. Fortunately, like, Reiner's in range of the speed and, uh, and the healing, theoretically. Happy on the Ash over here in the corner. This is actually not a bad position for the Ash. This, especially on this this area, if you're going to hold this, you have very few options and you have a lot of hard cover to play around here. Brig down here is not going to be affecting Happy at all. Brig down here is not going to be affecting Reiner at all. But this doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I don't understand this thinking. I think Kevster's somewhere over here on this side looking for that first like early spawn door kill. I'm going to play it from here, but it, it's just so disjointed. There's no there's no cohesion. Right? Like, yeah, it's 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 all this looks all entirely like solo play. And yeah, so now they're these three or four are grouped up. Three or four? Yeah, all four of them are grouped up over here. This is better, but even still, like I don't this is not a good position to try and hold. I guess the, the thinking being like if we die early, we still get at least one more recontest. But there's especially with this comp, holding around that first bridge is so much more beneficial. Because there are so many more corners to play around, and, and the height still is in the AoE of everything else. So, Kevster, Kevster's already forced back because Funny Astro died. How did Funny Astro die? I didn't actually... Uh, big old headshot from Kilo. That's Okay, out. I mean, and there's... Uh, obviously, there's nothing you can do to stop that, particularly. Like, uh, the, the DPS in this meta are, are so volatile because they can get that one-tap potential. But even still, like... You have so many more areas to play around on this side of the bridge. I don't that you have to either full commit or or just not do it. And we've seen touch the spawn door meta so much recently. You would think by week two or three they would have figured out that if you're gonna do it, you better commit. But I don't make the calls. <laughs> yeah, and it really kind of feels like this whole point A defense. San, or excuse me, LA just doesn't know what they want to do. And I, I don't want to talk for too much longer because I want you to watch Kevster. Kevster's character model is about to do the downright wackiest thing, man. Goodbye. So <laughs> he goes in, 
He dies and he shoots into oblivion. Overwatch 2 <laughs> bugs, my friend. Overwatch 2 bugs. <sighs> yeah. Now, the point B defense for LA looks a lot better than point A. And it, it seems like they actually had a game plan for how they wanted to hold this. Well, do you know what it is? It's the fact that, like, parts of these maps force them to play the way that you need to play this meta. Like, point B, you can't spread out as far. You have very limited options for where you can hold as a team. And and whether or not that, like, whether or not that their communication was just simply better on this point, they're just kind of forced to be in the right position. And that's... <laughs> We're finding a lot. We're finding out a lot about these teams from from this meta because it it does really highlight little mistakes that they ma that each team makes individually, and it highlights certain mistakes of certain players, certain consistencies and inconsistencies. And unfortunately, like for the Gladiators, it is for the longest time they got away with playing away or playing not entirely as a team. And uh, I don't know, like you said, like you said, maybe they had a better plan this time, but they were the the close quarters forces them to actually play together <laughs> right yeah if you want to skip ahead like two minutes for me to around the like 54 54 30 ish mark uh it goes into so la holds here for like a while yeah and then it goes into this really strange staggered out long fight that la ends up winning kind of these three try to run. Now watch as they're running down the hallway. Kevster is going to dash in here and try to blade. And what it leads to is LA oh. burning all of their ults and C9ing. And there it is. They uh. capped point B. So it's really, really ugly. I mean, that's like, that's a full-on communication breakdown. Like, I don't know why Kevster thought he needed to blade into that. I don't know if somebody was telling Kevster, like, you know, I'm here, I got you, or if Kevster was just trying to be a hero, but I think, I think that if Kevster doesn't pull that blade, LA wins this map. Maybe. At some point, these calls have to be made where, you know, in, in the comms, you're hearing winnable or not winnable, and I, I'd be willing to bet that there was a winnable call made by Kevster and then it just didn't work, so it's probably a little bit of hubris there, but it's... You're absolutely right. It's it's again. It's it's ultimate. Ultimately, it's the decision of when you use your ultimates and when you get to when you use your cooldowns that that wins the day on these fights. Yeah, I mean, ult economy is so important in this meta that like, oh. if you're burning more than two ults in one fight, you're gonna lose. Yeah. It's bad. Were you owing at that sick headshot yeah. that Kilo had on Happy and Spawn? It's literal so pixels. Literal pixels, man. So disgusting, dude. Like, Ugh. absolutely gross. Um, so we move into round two. LA's attack kicks off here. And honestly, like, San Francisco just kind of gives LA point A for free. It's really interesting. You can kind of just watch these teams rotate around each other. San Francisco holds back at where you would more traditionally see a team set up defensively. LA comes out on the double sniper just to get the Sonic arrow and that hopeful first pick. But San Francisco's disengaged way behind second building. This is LA's so, just kind of pushing forward. Go yeah, ahead. This is so like um passive. This is so much more passive than you're used to seeing from the shock. They I I do agree with the hold there, but it's even still that's even farther back than what you would consider 
typical and it just gives it gives so much space for free and gives Los Angeles the rotation option of going right or left around the shock they choose left from their spawn which is the uh, probably the better choice but like it gives them way more rotational advantage than I think you should be affording to any team at this point in the fight um, and already like not even a minute has passed and they're most of the way to capping and it's just you know at this point it's a matter of time you don't you don't really give yourself a, a recontest option in this case and I don't think they do here I think it's just a very yeah it's a very quick kill and cap sort of situation for them yeah I mean that pick on Finn is the first death of this fight and it, you know it's also interesting like it's not like people have been building a ton of ults. Everybody's kind of hovering in that 40 to 60% range. Nobody's like that far ahead except Funny Astro. Like, you know, it's just a weird defense from the shock. And then coming up here, once LA pushes the cart about a third, maybe half of the way through point B, they pull this awesome move where everybody from LA groups up in the room under the stairs. So if you're looking at the cart right now, there's a room directly straight in front of the cart and everybody from LA bunches up in there, fakes the stairs and you can see every orange player say, where the shit did they all go? I don't <laughs> see anyone. What the hell is happening? And then LA gets a pretty slick fight win off of it. I really, yeah. really like this play and this coordination here. It's right here. I mean, yeah, it's 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 an, it's just going back to like when they actually communicate and and do what they need to do in order to like play this meta the way it needs to be played. They they will win fights. Like there is, there is, or at least there should be a way forward for the gladiators, but they don't do it often enough to really be consistent at it. And I, I think this map is a great example of, of for the shock at least of the opposite uh you know what happens when you when you get too um enveloped in in playing so close together death Bally, like what can happen when that does and can go wrong like they're they're so invested in in holding together and holding close that they give up so much space and it doesn't allow them the opportunity to recontest these points it doesn't allow them a lot of room for error should someone die. So it's, you know, it's the opposite absolutely can be true. So, it, it, you know, I, I've been very critical of, of the Gladiators this entire match, but I, I, I do want to highlight that there are negatives to playing too much like a team at points. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's why, in general, through this series, L.A. has looked much better on defense and San Francisco has looked better on offense. Now, at this point, like, you're coming into point C. San Francisco has five ults. They burn three of them. They get their first fight win of the game. I don't know what you want to do if you're LA. The weirdest thing to me from this fight's perspective is that Reiner and Skewed both also lose ult. Like, you've got to know at that point by LA, you've got to be tracking those ults to know, like, they've got four, at least five ults online. We're going to lose this fight maybe I don't burn the two most important ults we have on it. But, you know, at the same time, like, you keep that momentum, you push through, you make that choke, and life gets a little bit easier for you. It's a time bank gamble at that point. It's saying we have four, four and a half minutes to cap this. Sure, they're they're tossing their ultimates at us, but there's a chance we win this, and if we don't, we build it back up anyway. Like, we have time to spend here 
and right now we you know even if we cap we should cap with extra time so i i don't i, I it is a mistake but it's i think in that point that's a risk reward that's that's more than like more than generous i think you can you can really get away with it there i, I don't want to you know fault them too heavily for that one if it was if it was three minutes later i would go what the hell are you doing but it, it you know with, yeah. with a four minute time bank uh you know what Burn it, see what happens. If you get, especially if you get value from Reiner's, uh, from Reiner's charge, like, uh, maybe you win. Maybe you win the fight and then you get cart push for free. Yeah. So Kilo pops overclock. It somehow turns into an LA fight win, even though Reiner dies first. I mean, it's, it's really like you're playing a Jotes comp in small rooms and San Francisco is more spread out than LA. LA wins the fight. That's just how Jotes works. And so L.A. manages to cap with 235. They've got a little over a minute longer than San Francisco does. But San Francisco wins this map. Uh, so let's move on here and see how they do it with their attack, too. And here, here L.A. is doing it again. This time, actually, this is a better this is a better position for the hold, though. I will I will credit them. If they're going to do the spawn door, this is a better way to set up for that because you have... You have the Lucio position to boop someone forward into your team, as well as being able to get value from the the AOE. Everybody is in a much much better strategic position to to do better here. Oh, and also Lucio could contest the high ground and force people off height, uh, and again boop them into the team. So better way to set up. Definitely learning from the mistakes at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. So and there goes Scooter. <laughs> Right, like, and I don't really know how Skewed dies. I mean, we don't he really didn't get rotate. to see it. He didn't rotate with. Uh, he didn't rotate with the rest of the team. They they rotated uh, a little further back around the side, and he was pushed far forward, almost in the like in the center of the shock's composition. And it, it was kind of it's kind of like the Reiner effect. He was he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just somehow missed the rotation call and ended up in the center of the shock. Yeah, and I will say, while I do think that LA lined up for the spawn camp better, I hate that spawn camp defense for LA. I mean, yeah. you only have a minute. Like, obviously, you want to drag that out as long as you can. You want to have the opportunity for a recontest. I understand why you want to hold door. I get it. However, if I'm the coach there, I want more of a mid-fight. Like, I want us to fight under bridge so that the opposing team does not have as much access to their own spawn door to cap off on heels. Um, I, I want to see LA hold back just a hair as opposed to pushing up quite as far as they do, but you know, they still get a recontest and they lose that anyway. So what's interesting skewed makes, makes the same mistake, uh, which kills him first in that fight. Again, he, he didn't, follow the rotation of the rest of the team and ended up getting picked early uh, by being in the center of the shock who rotated around him. <laughs> yeah, I get the impression that Jotes just doesn't play well point A of Junkertown. It's so like, open. Just, it's so wide open, yeah. and, and, it, and the, the rotations do quite literally have to be perfect. You know, yeah. it, it's there's so much space to play around, and it, it, with 5v5 especially, it's a lot thinner spread. It's a significantly thinner spread. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about how the most important thing in Jotes is the first pick, and the easiest way to get that first pick is to isolate somebody. Correct. That's why I like the the what I was calling the Froyotes uh, meta, which I will continue to call the Froyotes meta, which is Jotes with May. 
um, and you get that may wall to get that isolation and, and drill somebody down. But yeah, I mean, skewed is just the one that gets isolated. He dies twice. San Francisco manages to push it almost to point B with a minute. And let me tell you, LA's attack, not as great. Not as great as San Francisco's attack. No, on, certainly uh, not. Their second round on Junkertown. Is there anything really to highlight on that attack? Because I, I know that their hold was, like, the San Francisco's defense was substantially better. Um, there is not anything to highlight on that. It's San Francisco wins. That's all there yeah. is to highlight. All right. So then let us uh, let us skip ahead to match point. Yeah. And I said uh, before we started recording today that excuse me i said that this match was a lot closer than i expected it to be yes because i didn't watch it when it aired and i kind of just assumed when i saw the score that like la got rolled Mm -hmm. la should have won new queen street straight up (laughs) la lost new queen street on a bad c9 I'm not like saying that San Francisco got a free win. They certainly didn't. They fought for this, but LA has control of New Queen Street the whole time. The whole game, the whole match, LA is just like beating the piss out of San Francisco and they blow it in the final moments. But there is some kind of cool stuff happening here. You know, we get this big long fight at the beginning. Uh, and it really, this is we see. This is what we see at the beginning of every round on New Queen Street, which is just a ten-man fight around the hockey statue until somebody dies. And this time it's Kaluge. Kaluge is the one who dies. <laughs> it is a really good, uh, a really good map, honestly, for the Gladiators. Uh, and it should have. It it wasn't their pick because this isn't tournaments. So that I don't think they get to pick the the map. I think that's all predetermined. No, I think it's set. Yeah, yeah, it's all predetermined. But this is a good match, uh, a good map for them, uh, uh, for a lot of the similar reasons um, to that second point on uh, on Junkertown. It's just it, it's it's a lot more close quarters. It's it, it the the sight lines on this kind of force positioning in, in certain ways, especially in this meta, and so it just gives them a little bit of a leg up. I think comparatively to how the rest of the match has played out for them. Um, but man. I, it is remarkable how they just drop the spaghetti towards the end of this. <laughs> like, dude, it really is. And shall we just skip so, to that? Because, so like, it's, I mean, do you want to? Are there any points you want to highlight about their their offense here that gets them to the to the lead spot where they fumble, or shall we just cover the the fumble itself? So the one thing I really want to talk about um, before we get to the fumbling uh, happens here in about ninety seconds at one twenty eight thirty. So. This is L.A. pushing for first checkpoint, and they get right there, but they do not achieve butt scratch. And if there's one thing that we've learned from pushing Overwatch League, it's how important butt scratch is. So coming up right here, there's Funny Astro. Funny Astro is being really greedy, and it costs Reiner his life. Why was he there? And because Reiner dies... They don't get butt scratch, and that means that when uh, they see nine at the end of this map and San Francisco pushes past, there's no delay before San Francisco takes the bot back. Right. Check this out, though. This, this, I think they actually fumbled this before. 
before there, we're at 2810-ish, okay? They're approaching the corner. San Francisco's still on the respawn. You have um you have Finn and uh proper. I don't think anybody's in range to touch the car. They could have made it. I think they if they had stayed on cart, they might have been able to make it before that before that pu that push, but I could be wrong. It was it's hard to tell from that angle, but I think they might have dropped the spaghetti before this play by Funny Astro. It's definitely hard to tell. I mean, there's a, certainly a chance that like Finn backs off before proper contests. Yeah, I don't hate that play because at that point, you know, like you're 55 meters ahead, you don't need as the support player like you are not the one who should be contesting and fighting that cart forward right so i don't hate finn backing off as much as i hate funny astro going in and leaving Col or not Kaluge, leaving reiner who is responsible for bot presence alone to just like bleed out and die yeah and i i really fully feel like that moment is what cost this map for sam for LA it's I'm very so possible the California teams <laughs> um because if LA gets butt scratched there San Francisco never makes checkpoint and if they would have gotten butt scratch the whole like c9 situation where San Francisco takes the lead would have had the butt scratch timeout which I believe would have given LA enough time to clean it up so then let's let us uh skip ahead to that that very moment. Do you have a timestamp for that? That fateful day. I do. It is 13345. 133. Let's call it 13337 just to give us a moment. Great. This is um, kind of like the start of the fight anyway. Yeah. So everybody's setting up. Uh glads are coming back from spawn. Um man, they are they, they are encircling this bot so perfectly. I just, it's, that's the thing of beauty. But oh yeah, and, and it gives and Reiner's dead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Reiner dies, but that's not it. Like, that's not No, Kevster comes up it, with two. And it happens while Kevster is blading. So we don't get to see it, but whatever happens on the cart while Kevster is out killing two, funny, skewed, and happy all pull away from the cart. Because, like, Kevster has blade. Kevster doesn't need to touch the cart. No. Reiner is dead. Reiner doesn't have to touch the cart. Skewed, funny, and happy. One of them sh should have prevented that C9. And they didn't. And it's straight up, I don't even know that they realized what happened until, like, right here. Because they only have one man on bot until they reach this corner. And suddenly it's like, oh, shit. When did they take the lead from us? And I, I really think, like, LA didn't realize what happened. It happened in a lot of chaos. Us, and they just got tilted. I mean, this last fight goes San Francisco's way pretty quickly. LA has ults that don't really get anything. Like, it's just, it's a bummer, man. Important to mention that Finn gets a four pick here. Um, yeah. Like, just, just went off. oh my God. That's just for the win. Wow. Right. And like, you see Finn do that and it makes you really question like, why couldn't Skewed keep bot presence while Kevstrew is blading on the other side of the map? So, yeah, I mean, I think this was a really close game. It was fun to watch. As far as Shock versus LA goes, I think this was one of the more fun games to watch because I think it was played a little bit more seriously. Yeah. But 
I would have liked to see this go to a fifth map because the way it ended just kind of was kind of a wet towel, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. That's totally fair. Well, with that, I think that's that's all to be said on the matter. Why don't we get into some pickums? Yeah, let's do some brads. So how did we do last week? What were, what were what were the ultimate records for both of us? We'll talk about whether or not we win in our big dumb bracket later, but how did we do on results? So last week we had 5 games to pick and you went 5 and 0, oh, I went 4 and 1. Let's go. Uh, the only difference between us last week uh, was I picked the Spark and you picked whoever the Spark played. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> and the Spark lost. A bunch last week. So, uh, sure did. Um, yeah, so I've got five matches for us to talk about in our official predictions. I don't know if you want to do all your pickums oh, or gonna, if I'm you gonna, just want to do the. the we'll talk we about the matches. Out. We'll talk about the matches. I will line up my. I'll do my pickums while we're doing all of this. So, um, go ahead and kick us off. I'll uh, I'll go as we we as we go. <laughs> fair, fair. So, uh, we don't do our the two. East matchups that we have to talk about are on the last day. So okay. I'm going in weekend order down in the West region. Our first spectator diff pickums of the week. Brad, do you take Washington Justice God. or the Vancouver Titans? This is going to be tough, actually. I Because unfortunately, well, I, unfortunately, the, the Justice look better now that they've dropped their yeah, entire roster. They sure do. Um. And that is, oh my God! I had them getting booty bopped by the mayhem. That certainly didn't happen. I, hmm, I don't know. But, but can you pred the justice? Is there anything more risky in the game of Overwatch than predding the justice? There, no, there really isn't. Um, because I don't believe in their coach at all. And I will say, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for this on a coaching diff entirely. I'm going to predict the Titans, and I'm gonna call it a three-two. I want this. I think this will be a five-banger if it, if it goes the way of the Titans. I actually think it'll be a five-banger regardless. Um, but the the Titans have looked increasingly good. They just beat New York, which nobody saw coming except me because I got it fucking right because I have faith <laughs> in the Vancouver Titans. Um, but I think. I think if they can if they could get over that hurdle with uh, with New York, especially with New York looking as good as they had up to this week, which admittedly didn't look great, but either way, I have faith. I think they can. I think this will be a five banger. I think Titans three uh, two. All right, I think that's fair. I picked Washington three two. Well, you have uh, to. You're a fan. <laughs> I am a fan, and and as a fan, I predicted Florida last weekend, so I'm back, baby. I'm, I'm huffing that Washington hopium. They're going to beat Vancouver. God damn it. Because it's Vancouver. All right. Game number two, August 27th. This is my favorite game of the week. Brad, who do you pick? The Paris Eternal or the LA Gladiators? Really? The winless LA Gladiators. Oh, why you got to put it in those? T- no, they're not winless. They, they, beat, the, they beat Toronto. Did they beat the one in three LA Gladiators <laughs> versus the what are Paris now? They're also one in three, are they not? Doesn't matter. They have a new roster. They're they're zero and one. <laughs> I know that, but mm, I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it because they lost to Atlanta. They lost to Atlanta with the new roster, and and Atlanta looks like crap right now. 
So, Brad, you were wrong. I went back and checked. L.A. did not beat Toronto. Toronto 3-1 L.A. Wait. L.A. is winless in this phase. Wait. Oh. Oh, God. That's You're right. L.A. I'm, is winless in this phase. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, can they beat the Paris Eternal? Uh, and how many maps does it take? They can beat the Paris Eternal. I, I think I think Glad's 3-1. I, uh, I hate this. I, okay. But look, look at it from this standpoint, all right? Shock? They 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 looked relatively close against Shock. Like that was a close-ish match. All right, close-ish, close-ish. I mm, there's no way they do not lose to Paris. There's no way they lose to Paris. Three one. Glad's three one. Glad's three one. All right, fair. I have three two. I think they drop two maps to Paris. I really do. I think it might happen. Uh, our last yeah. West Region map of the week on August twenty eighth. Brad, Houston Outlaws or Atlanta Rain? God, these are tough. All of these are really tough. Actually, not all of them. Just the ones that you brought up to the table are tough. That's, I, I only pick the tough ones, man. That's uh, that's what makes it fun. I want to say it. I want to say Houston. I I, I do want to say Houston. I just I because I, the Rain are not winless. They the Rain beat Paris, but are Houston winless? Uh, no, Houston are not winless. They beat the Gladiators. Um, uh, that's right. It's, it's So they should yeah. be same record. Yes. Yeah, it should be same record. So it's 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 two one. Uh, it's it's two teams that are one and three. So. Oh God, I. I yeah, I'm gonna go outlaws in this. I just don't think that I. I don't think the rain have really, you know, formed anything cohesive as of yet. I. I expected them to look better this this season or this series like this past weekend, but even against Paris, they didn't look stellar. So I I don't know. I think yeah, I think I'm gonna give it to Houston. I'm gonna call it three two. This could be another five banger because it's just like that might be the toilet bowl match of the weekend if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah. I went three two uh, for Houston on that one, but I also I think Houston has Atlanta. I mean Merritt and. Um, uh, who the shit is the other DPS for Houston? Merritt and um that other guy. Oh, uh, Pelican. Pelican, that's it. Merritt and Pelican. Yeah. Um, have looked sick, and like Merritt's still in Sojourn. Pelican's Genji has looked pretty decent. I, I have not a lot of faith. This week is going to be tough. This this entire week, I'm looking just looking over these. That the, there's a lot of matches that are going to be. That could go yeah. either way. I this might be another one, another nightmare weekend for us. <laughs> it might be. Uh, oh. Our last two maps of the week are in APAC. Okay. So on Sunday, August twenty eighth, uh, we're doing both games. Brad, right. fusion or charge? <sighs> fusion hopium. I, I th- fusion three one. I I mean they I... they didn't look great, but like. And they also lost this weekend, but I I don't the charge still look look really bad. So I don't. Yeah, I I think it's, yeah. I think fusion. I said the same thing. Um, I said the same thing. But this next match mm. is the one that I'm actually a little bit more invested in your decision on. Yeah, yeah. Dongbu Hunters Shanghai Dragons. Uh, if I'm not game mis- of the week, it's double points. Oh God! I, if I'm not mistaken, Shanghai got beaten twice this weekend did they not uh shanghai won twice this weekend did they? 
Man, I'm, yes, I'm bad. They, I'm really bad at this. They 3 0'd the charge and yeah. they 3 0'd Hong Zhao Spark. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Um yeah. yeah, this should be this should this is no brainer then. That that should be Dragons um three I'm gonna say Dragons probably three oh, honestly. Like Fair. I said Dragons three two, but I don't really have much to say. I mean about Chengdu it, did alright, didn't they? Yeah, they they yeah. They got booty bopped by Soul, which is to be expected, but they booty bopped Fusion, so I think I could see them getting a map, but I think I think I'll keep it at 3-0 for now. I might change my mind as the week goes forward. Um Yeah. I mean, as always, like I don't really have any idea what's going on in APAC. I try. I do. I watch the games. I read the news. I still don't know. I still don't get it, man. It's different every week. I will say I will say with APAC, the, the games have been a lot less close than they have been in um than they have been mm -hmm. in in the west so you know for that for all intents and purposes like that ain't nothing right well that wraps up our preds for this week that leaves our official pred record me at seven and three brad you are at eight and two hell yeah final question of the week did we beat <laughs> our friend todd's dumb bracket answer yes we have pulled well ahead of our f dumb friend Todd's bracket. <laughs> However, our dumb friend Derek is apparently better at this than us. We have not yet beaten Derek. But we're closing in. We're coming for you, Derek. We are. We're closing in on Derek. We're coming. We're, it's, <laughs> we will We will not We will not lose to Derek, I swear. Oh, excellent. We love to, you love to see it. The nature is healing, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got. You have anything else for us before we go? No, I think I, I think we've we've just about covered all we need to talk about. Most excellent. Well, hey, that will do it for this episode of Spectator Diff. Thanks to those of us who are hanging out with the chat. Connor, yeah. always good to see you, buddy. Again, please subscribe to us here on YouTube and do all the things like comment, subscribe, just like absolutely gut punch that notification bell or whatever the kids are saying. And uh, if you're listening to the audio show, subscribe on your podcast app of choice. You can follow me on socials at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. And me on socials at last call underscore gaming. And until next time, just remember, we're better at watching Overwatch than you. Bye, everybody. <laughs>